our guest, Anthony Alford. You know how hard it is to hit a 99-mile-an-hour sinker? Yeah, that's why I'm not playing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Bo Bichette puts it over the top with people forgetting about the 100 losses and more like, okay, we have hope again. Welcome to another episode of Digging In with JP and Sebia. I'm your host, as always, Nick Ashbourne. Today, our special guest is Anthony Alford, a guy who has a really an interesting story in terms of how he reached this point in baseball, and then there's been a lot of ups and downs in recent years, but now he's back with the Blue Jays, and you know he has an opportunity in a Blue Jays outfield that's very wide open to make his mark down the stretch, and it's going to be interesting to see what he brings to the table. Yeah, I would I would say I would maybe take back the very wide open. I I don't think that there's I don't think it's very wide open, but I do think that he is playing not only for the Toronto Blue Jays, he's play, he's playing for possibly the opportunity to play at another team. You never know how baseball works. I think you know, you go out there and you make a statement and yet you may be playing yourself into a a starting role or a fourth outfielder or however they want to to do it, but what I try to tell guys, even when I still talk to them this day, is never forget you're playing for all the other teams in the major leagues who are going to need somebody. And if there's a surplus of something on one team, they're going to go to that team to be able to, to get those guys. And, and, you know, what may not be a beautiful piece of art for one person may be a beautiful piece of art for another. So, um that's something to me that, that these guys have to remember. You're not just playing. You are playing for one team, but you're not really playing for one team. Yeah, and he's a guy who we've talked about in the past, the athleticism he brings to the table, his football background. You know, you can you can just see it when you're around the guy. He has a physicality to him, and that's going to make him attractive both you know to the Blue Jays, like you said, potentially to other teams. He's the type of guy who's going to earn chances for himself because his ceiling is, is so high and I think that that's why people are excited to watch him play because he's just had a couple of cups of coffee with the Blue Jays so far and that's sort of what this is too but he might be able to get a few more at bats than he's had in the past where he's had you know eight at bats or you know 21 trips to the plate and that's really not enough to know much about a guy. No and, and coming off the heels I mean he was unbelievable the spring training I mean he had a he had a great spring training it was fun to watch it's you know he showed that he can hit home runs and uh, you know all these all guys that have this kind of athletic background football player there's always that has he reached his potential yet where how is this the best you'll get out of him or, or is there still more in the tank and once he figures it out because guys that are this athletic can figure it out in one year and all of a sudden they figure it out in one year and you're like oh crap this guy's the full package so that's that's something to me that is is continued to to see how it progresses and I want to ask him I want to ask him you know hey what at what point do you feel like your you know your baseball legs are completely under you or you still feel like there's a little bit of learning which obviously every day learn every day you're going to learn something but is there still that that period of learning but also would you put the athleticism and all that stuff together you have a conversation with him he's a phenomenal human being in general he's just a good guy so smart well-spoken so I imagine in a clubhouse you put everything together and he's a valuable asset so before we get to Anthony I want to talk a little bit about Dave Dombrowski because the story of Dave Dombrowski getting fired by the Red Sox is one that's 
in my opinion, kind of rocked the baseball world a little bit. This is a Hall of Fame executive, and sometimes it's hard for us to identify who the very best executives are because there's some luck involved and you don't really know who's under them and they've only been with one team and how much did the owner play into all that. But this is a guy who's gone from team to team to team and created winners everywhere he's gone. You know, he he created the 1997 Marlins, that team won. The 2003 Marlins, he was basically the architect of that team even though he had left by then. He was a part of very good Expos teams, very good Tigers teams, and, you know, most pertinently, our World Series champions from last year, the Boston Red Sox. So it's pretty shocking to see a guy who put together a team that won the World Series be dismissed not even one year after that happened so jp what was your thoughts when you saw that news come down that was that was a very odd thing i didn't i didn't think that you know you don't think that there's a chance you win a world series and then the next year you're gone um to me all this smells like internal something internal with ownership disagreement because you i mean you you pretty much summarize it You, you look at his career this guy's done unbelievable stuff everywhere he's gone marlins tigers red sox and so he's obviously a really good baseball mind he obviously knows what he's doing he has signed some long-term deals you know i i think maybe the deal with sale depending on how he he continues to to go throughout his career if he's hurt or not could be a good or bad signing david price i think i think that david price actually will go down as a good contract just because they won the World Series and he was a big part of that. Um, he He's had a lot of extensions during his time, and, and so he's put a lot of money out there, and maybe there's something to do with that. I, I, I just – I don't know. I, I think it's – to me, when that when something like that happens, it's just – it's to it's more than what we see at the surface. There's internal – there's something internally that fell – down because also something reason why I think that it's bad and something happened like drastic internally maybe between ownership and himself is the firing late at night after a game like why why not hey you know let's say Tuesday morning we wake up and you have a meeting with ownership and whatever and they let him go it was like no this is done at midnight where the the manager doesn't the manager's blindsided by it so much so that he has a post game conference and says, "Hey, I I just heard about it right now, so I can't even comment on it. I got I don't know emotionally, I don't even know what to say." So I think that's that's to me what says something really really fell apart at the at the you know latest hour between those guys, and it had to be something drastic to happen that quick and that late. Yeah, it's not as simple as it looks, I guess. Tom Verducci of Sports Illustrated had a report on it again. I think the details are pretty vague, or at least the public details are a little bit vague. But this was a quote I thought was interesting. And this is an unnamed source, so you can take that for what it's worth. But Tom Verducci, really well-respected guy in the game, you know, has good sources. Dave was a guy, the kind of guy who didn't have much of a process, said the source, familiar with the team's thinking. He was very good at making decisions right now based on instincts and advice, but the owner, John, wants more of a process-oriented approach. And based on where the team is right now, the next couple of years could be rough. They don't trust him to make those decisions. That's really interesting to me because it just it seems like that's the direction 
the league is going right now. The guys who are kind of wheel and deal gunslinger executives who are willing to put, like you said, he put a lot of money out there, willing to make trades where they trade prospects to win now. Like those have the kind of executives that I think people think Alex Anthopoulos was, and he was sometimes, and he was in 2015, and that's why they love him so much. But you've seen with the Braves, he does some longer term stuff and doesn't always take as many risks as Blue Jays fans remember. But that type of GM who is, you know, relying on their instinct and taking big risks and potentially willing to hurt themselves in the future to do something right now. Dombrowski was a perfect example of that guy. He was so successful doing it. And it just seems like even if you're super successful with that approach, owners and teams are, you know, they're reticent to have that guy anymore. Yeah, it's weird, though, because to me, I think about it and I'm like, man, if you're going to win and you're going to win a World Series and you and you go after it, how does a guy like that even, even like, get get fired? Like, I, I look at Alex Antopoulos, right? He's a huge wheel and deal guy. He's a guy who, he's eggs basket. He's gas pedal on trying to get guys to sign contracts. I mean, he gets good contracts, really. He does, he does get undervalued guys. And then he gets these crazy trades. I think the Red Sox have been a part of that. I mean, their minor league system, I'm not too familiar with their minor league system, but I don't know where it's completely at. Are they good? Are they bad? That could be a part of it, but it's just a weird dynamic. I think I think that there's more to the story, and, and they need to, they had to give some kind of a reasoning because you can't – If you, it doesn't make sense, right? Any kind of reasons you can come up with don't make sense. That one they can say, hey – I tried. Uh, he, he's not going to be able to do our long-term plan. He's just a wheel and deal guy, and that's really. We'll leave it at that. And I, I think there's more. I think there's. I think there was an, a disagreement. These guys had it out. Something had to happen, and they, they just the ownership and him were like, "All right, well, peace out." So I, that's, that's to me, I think what happened as opposed to they're going to make whatever politically correct statement or or let out or leak whatever they want to leak but I, I i don't know i think it's i think it's more than just wheel and deal because how do you say that the guy just brought a world series and if he wheeled and deal then they fell apart i get it but you know you didn't have price has been hurt sale hasn't been himself i don't think that they did a good job of letting letting kimbrell go let him walk um but that that's you can't win if you don't have pitching and that's what happened this year yeah the red sox are undoubtedly in a tough spot the rays are on the upswing the yankees are incredibly good they've had some problems with their pitching like you mentioned sale and price are perfect examples their bullpen's been a problem like there's a lot of things you can point to with the red sox but they also have some really really good players and they're not so far removed obviously from winning the world series and being this incredibly good team. And maybe you could make an argument that in some ways Dombrowski left them in a tricky spot. But to my mind, that's what's supposed to happen after a world. Like, I know that everyone wants to be the Dodgers and win forever and have this unbelievable player development stream. Yeah, but win forever. But have, that's great. They, but they won forever. They didn't win a World Series. Well, yeah. I mean, been winners, to be fair to winners. Sure, and they then they've done the bringing on Manny Machado and they've stuff like that. So I don't want to discredit their ideas, but the idea is that, yeah, maybe you do have to sacrifice a little bit of the future if you want to win the World Series. Like, 
being unwilling to do that seems stupid to me. The point is to win the World Series. And if that means a couple years after you might be in trouble because you gave up too much, then, you know, too bad. You've got the, you know, flags fly forever, whatever you want to say. Like, look at what the Royals have been since they won the World Series. Who cares? They won the World Series. That was Two. an incredible achievement, especially for that market. Well, and, and that's, that's to me, you look at the Giants now, the Giants have, are, have struggled. At the end of the day, it's, it's, I imagine being in that seat is so tough, right? Because if, if you don't make the moves, fans are pissed off. Oh, we, didn't, we didn't go after it. What the heck? We, why didn't we make the moves at the, at the deadline? And then all of a sudden you make all that crap and you get after it. And then you have a few down years, and it's like, oh, oh, what the heck? This guy, I can't believe he's let it go to crap. It's like, you can't win either way. But at least for me, if you go for it, you never second-guess yourself. And that's, that's, what I, that's how I feel like Dombrowski. Like, he's gone after it. And if I was a GM, I would go after it because I'm not going to live on the, the well, I could have done this, I could have done that. No. I have the opportunity. I'm going to go after it because this is a crazy game and maybe we win. And then that's what that's what you want. You want to have a winning team. You want to have a team that ch- competes for a championship and goes to the World Series and wins a World Series. So I I think that you have to be the aggressive or the aggressor. I mean, look at the Houston Astros. You think those guys aren't aggressive? You got Verlander, you got Cole, they went after Ozuna with that, that in itself is aggressive because they knew they were going to catch heat, but they're like, you know what? I'm going after Ozuna. He's going to help our team. I don't care. Like, yeah, obviously it's a it was a issue and it's and it's tough, but they're aggressors. They they went after it. They they that's why they're in the position that they are right now. So to me, I think all the different things that go into it, player development, all that stuff having the right minor league staffs to help these guys grow and, and get these players and homegrown guys. But look at Tampa. Tampa's roster. Tampa's roster is like three out of the whatever are, are homegrown guys because they wheel and deal, and that's what they've done. And look what – dude, they're in any other division. They're freaking leading the division. I mean, this team is good. I, I, I just I – just, I don't understand. You can never win. You either are too aggressive – or you're not aggressive enough, and so you're either going to be at odds with the fr- with the ownership because you went too much, and now you know we're we're over our cap or whatever their their budget is, or you're with the fans. I mean, it's like at the end of the day, you got to do your job and and try to win. It's all about winning. Yeah, and I think that owners are often. It seems like nowadays, and you'll hear bring this back to the Blue Jays a little bit. You'll hear guys like Shapiro and Atkins talk about process all the time. And I understand that. I understand why the idea of having a good process and letting the results fall where they fall makes sense. But there are guys, and I think Dombrowski is one of those guys, who have proven themselves so successful over the years that maybe you don't need to worry if his process isn't as thorough as some of the other guys because he's out there getting results and he's been getting results for decades. So maybe there's some general managers I would worry about or presence of player of uh, baseball operations, whatever the title is you want to say. 
maybe there's some guys that if they don't have much of a process and they're kind of running gun guys, I'd be a little bit concerned. But when you have this kind of resume, when you're a no doubt Hall of Fame team builder, you know what? I don't worry so much about your process because you have the results and the Red Sox just had the results. So maybe again, maybe someone will come out and it turns out Dombrowski's like did something horrible and he's the worst guy and this will sound very stupid. But the way it sits right now, it just looks to me like uh, just a poor decision. Yeah, and I guess we'll – I mean, I'm sure eventually more things will come out about it and we'll maybe ever possibly get the real reason why. But listen, well, you, I think for, for me, if you think about it, if there's somebody that's not worried about job security, it's Mr. Dombrowski. I think that Pete, there, there's probably – Multiple people lining up, calling him, trying to have him be a part of their organization. So he'll be fine. You said he's a Hall of Famer. He's won the World Series with three different teams. I mean, pretty special stuff, man. He's 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 good. And so we'll see what happens. All right, we're going to get to Anthony Alford right now, as promised. First off, I wish I looked like you in a uniform. It's pretty dang impressive, pretty dang athletic. I'm kind of jealous, not going to lie, but you know, you, you can only you can only go with what God gives you and God has given you a, definitely some some pretty amazing set of tools. But talking baseball-wise, you know, this year great spring training, go AAA, start off slow and finish off the way you were able to finish off. What what did you learn about this season? Uh, even from spring training on? Um, really, it's about just perseverance, you know. Um, like, <clears throat> so, hey, I mean, spring training was okay. Spring training was okay, but just um, when I, in April, like, battling the cold and um, obviously getting off to a slow start. Um, like, and I think a lot of it probably, I mean, I had to make some mechanical changes and I had to do that in the middle of the season. And I was still able to find some success. But after April, like, uh, my main focus was just, like, to go out there and have fun. And, and and if I can just go out there and just think about just having fun and competing and try to help whatever club I'm with win, then I think the numbers take care of itself. Um, instead of just putting pressure on myself to try to make it back to the show, I just had to go out there and just say, like, okay, I'm trying to help the Bisons win tonight. Like, that was my mindset. And, and, and um, and I, I just wasn't as result-oriented because I was just going out there thinking about doing at least one thing to help the team win. Um, so, like, if I, if, I, if I scored a run, if I made a play in the outfield, whatever it was, like, I just I just thought about, like, doing, doing one thing to help the team win. And that just kept me at peace. That just kept me at peace when I left the field at night. Yeah, and then that's, you know, I tell people that when they talk about baseball, the reason why the baseball is so tough is – for example, football, you play a game, you got a, a week to th- to be able to get away, learn from it until you have to kind of strap it on again. Baseball, when it's going rough and you got 20 straight games and you're looking, you're like, dang, man, I just want a mental break. How, how big of a difference has it been, even the transition mentally from, you know, that to now in pro ball where you play every single day? Uh, we were talking about this just, um, two days ago, but I, I think it's, I think it's really tough. Um, I, not even just the mental part of it, but the physical part of it too. Because you know, like in football these days, like you have like they they the coaches help like they take care of your body. Like practice isn't as tense as it used to be, like in the early two thousands or the late nineties. Like 
you don't really have as much contact as in practice. So you really just have one day of contact, and that's on game day in football. But like in baseball, man, when you out there, like when you have like when you run fifteen, twenty straight games, and you playing every day, and you out there on your feet all the time, like. You guys, you, you literally out there all day, like BP, like early work, whatever you guys do. And that's and then that's nine innings of the game. But, like, I think for me, like, baseball is way tougher than football, the the mental grind and the physical grind. But, I'm like, but in football, you have a whole week to recover your body. I just think, like, in baseball, like, when you, when you have soreness and you banged up, you still got to go out there that next day and, and try to play through that fatigue. So I think that's, like, it's really tough. Football is a reference point for you that we often come back to because that's your background and it's kind of unique compared to a lot of the guys here. Where does your relationship with football sit now? I know in some interviews you've talked about how you kind of miss that atmosphere and something. If you have a free Sunday, are you like crashing on the couch and watching tons of football? Are you more of a college guy? Like what, what is football in your life now? Well, I mean, I was a college guy, but my um, Ole Miss Rebels were kind of in a drought right now. So, um, I'm I'm kind of just like pulling for pulling for the Saints right now, um, but like I, I'm just a fan, you know. Like I, I'll always love the game of football because that was that was my um, first love growing up as a kid. Like that was like one of the first sports that I was introduced to, um, and it's and it's big in Mississippi, like in the South. Period. Football is just big in the South. Um, so like I, I'll always love the game of football. Like, but now I, I enjoy just kicking back and. But mainly in the off season, like I have some some buddies over, like we'll just throw some meat on the grill and just hang out and watch football games, especially on Saturdays. Watch a lot of college football, but like when it get close to the playoff time, I like to watch the NFL, um, especially after um, after church on Sundays. I eat dinner and then watch watch Saints football games. Well, watching Drew Brees is a is a treat. You're lucky as a football fan. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Anthony, so you talk about being at peace a lot and you had this rough start to the year and then you found a way to recover. One kind of little tidbit in there that I thought was interesting was you took a break from all social media stuff. And, you know, a lot of guys, you know, younger guys your age, my age even, are just really wrapped up in that stuff. So I was wondering what prompted you to make that decision and how that worked out to you and contributed to you being at peace in this way. Um. Yeah, I, I think I think that's where a lot of it comes from, man. Like, a, I think a lot of guys, like they kind of, they kind of feed off of that as motivation. Like, you feed off of what irrelevant people are saying about you as motivation. You know, um, like I, I've been there. Like, having been labeled a top prospect um, coming up through the system, like I've been there. But like, at the end of the day, like you have to realize their opinions really isn't gonna matter. Like, it's like a lot of those opinions that you see on media, it really isn't going to matter. Like, that's not going to dictate how I play. Like, at the end of the day, like, I need to focus on, like, all of my all of my energy need to be poured into baseball, like, things that are important. Like, um, and and really just worrying about what people say. Like, for me, it can become a distraction. Um, so I, I just I just had to, like, take a step back and and and, and not really focus on, not, not necessarily thinking about, like, what, what was being said about me, but like, obviously my name is mentioned sometimes and I get tagged in it, but also just like, just baseball period. Like when I get away from the field, I don't want to be around a game, you know, like I don't want to be just sitting there watching baseball on my phone all day. I like to just like do something other than, I mean, cause like at the end of the day, we're not just 
like I'm a baseball player, but I'm like also a human being. Like I want to go out there and like and enjoy like a, a normal everyday life whenever I get a chance to. So I just don't want to like wrap my like get wrapped get so much wrapped in like just baseball twenty four seven. Like I just think at the end of the day, like my mind needs a break from it. And like whether it's going to watch a movie or going to hang out with friends or like whatever it is, like just something just to kind of take my mind away from the game. But like, yeah, I think me that was a big move for me was like getting off of um getting off of social media. Well, I I understand completely at the end of my career there when I started struggling and the the blessing and the curse is now there's a lot of deals that you have to post certain stuff on, card deals or whatever it may be. But then I had, for me, I had all these people writing me stuff and it, you're right, some guys can, can handle it and use it as fire. For me, it pissed me off and it kind of made, it, it distracted me because then I was trying to, instead of just concentrating on hitting a baseball, I was worried about 70,000 people, what they were saying. So it, it's not, that's, a, you know, people just see, the way it goes, but that I wish people, more people can hear and the people will hear what you just said, but a lot of young guys need to hear what you said, but we'll, we can talk on this forever. My thing too is for you, people understand, what do you think the biggest difference is? Everybody has differences on AAA and big league pitching. Like, what do you think the biggest difference for for you is when seeing AAA, a AAA arm to a big league arm? Um... I mean, I, I think um, mainly is them being able to command more of the secondary pitches up here. Like, not like they can do it. They can do it best. Like, they can do it pretty good in, in, in AAA, but I just think up here, like, they can do it whenever they want. You know, like, they can put it – like, their misses isn't as big. Like, that's the big thing. Like, in AAA, like, you might – like, if they miss with a fastball away, it's probably, like, two or three balls, like, three balls off the plate, you know? But, like, up here, I feel like their misses are, it's like, their, their misses are smaller in the sense of, like, they might miss on the outside corner, but it might be a ball off the plate. You know what I'm saying? So, I just feel like it's more like the command and the sequence. Like, I think, like, it's tough, and, and I haven't really played many games, or but I, I just know, like, just seeing the way they pitch in the AL East, um, you have a guy, like, uh, what's his name? The closer for Tampa. He threw 98, 99 miles an hour sinkers, and Vladdy got six straight sliders. Oh, Diego Castillo. Yeah, like he throw, he throw like ninety nine mile an hour sinker. You know how hard it is to hit a ninety nine mile an hour sinker. Yeah, that's why I'm not playing anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but then like, but you can't, you can't sit, you can't really sit on a slider like because he's throwing ninety nine mile an hour sinker. So. Like you still gotta respect that, but he just up there spinning you slide out the slide out the slide So like I just think like in A at least like that's that's the type of pitching you get. Well in triple A, like if you see somebody throwing a nine mile dollar sinker, like they're gonna throw they're gonna let it eat, you know. Um but up here like and I think I mean obviously the hitters are better too, so you gotta kinda pitch different. Um but I think that's the thing is just like the pitch sequences and, and the misses and and their misses aren't as big up here. One thing that JP and I were discussing about you before you came on is the idea of the time it took you to catch up because you just had less baseball under you than some other guys. At what point did you feel like you had kind of caught up to the people around you experience-wise, or is that something that you're still dealing with today? 
I mean, I don't think I'm still dealing with it. I, I think like just in baseball period, like you learn, you learn, you're constantly learning something about yourself, about your swing, your body, like whatever it is. Like, but I don't. Me personally, I, I just think like I'm at my best whenever I allow my athletic ability to come out. Um, like when I'm not thinking, especially offensively, just when I'm not thinking, I can just go in the box and just think about just being athletic and, and just send the ball and hitting it. But um, like for like my first year was in two, like so I, I got drafted in twelve, and over twelve, thirteen, and four. The summers of 12, 13, and 14, I was playing football. So, like, I had 100 at-bats over the course of three years. But in 2015 was my first year of baseball full-time. And, like, I hit, I hit like, right at 300 on that year between low and high. But, like, I was, like, I literally didn't have a clue what I was doing. Like, I was just going out there and just thinking about just having fun like I was in high school, like, just – I wasn't thinking about mechanics. I wasn't thinking about nothing. Like, I just started leg kicking that year. Like, everything was, like, new to me. I was just really just trying to have fun. And, and I feel like I was successful because I allowed my athletic ability to come out. But whenever I started, like, looking into mechanics and, and trying, new, like, trying new stuff and listening to different people, I feel like that's when stuff started getting more complicated for me because it took away from my athletic ability. So, like, I don't, like, in a sense, like, I don't really think I'm still catching up, but it's really more for me is just like just being athletic. And then when I'm athletic and, and I think, and I feel like I can compete with the best. Well, listen, guy, I told this to Vladdy, you know, everybody has their own DNA. We're all made differently. And, and that's one thing you, you're so athletic. You can do things that other guys can't. So that's, that's one thing that has helped. And I'm sure, and this is one thing I tell people too, the best hitters are always the dumbest hitters because they don't think. They just go out there and hit. So, obviously, um, that's something that – it takes time to learn it, though, because you try to be too smart. But we'll let you go after this. I got a couple of fun questions for you just because I want I played football till my senior year of high school. I was a linebacker, though, and I wasn't obviously as good as you, but I wanted to kind of run through some things. I know you play baseball now, but I, I still – if I could strap on some pads and a helmet, I'd still do it right now. So yeah, here, here it goes. Ready? Okay. All right. So, better feeling: a touchdown pass or a home run? Oh, a home run, easy. All right. I don't especially somebody like myself who don't hit many of them, so definitely <laughs> a home run. All right. <laughs> would you Would you rather get sacked or strike out? Uh, I I'll, I'll take a sack. All right. I take a sack. Run for a touchdown or diving catch to end an inning? Bases loaded, diving catch to end an inning or run for a TD? Ooh. I'm going to have to go with that diving catch. I'm going to have to go with that diving catch. I feel like you're, you're some of these answers you're giving me because you're a baseball guy, but I'll continue. No. <laughs> no. Nah. Nah, you got to think about the situation. Like, it could be – I can run for a touchdown. And the score could be 28-0, so that touchdown really don't, really, it don't mean nothing. People leaving the game at that point. But you lo- you, you you make a dive and catch with the bases loaded, the people in the stands are going crazy. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> all right. So, miss, so a miss catch in the outfield or a miss snap as a quarterback? Ooh. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm definitely a miss. Definitely a miss snap. Definitely <laughs> a miss. You miss? Yeah, definitely a miss snap. 
All right, and then the last one, this one's you a Hail Mary to win a game or a walk off from one a walk off from one a home run to hit a game. Ooh. Give me the give me the I think I think I think I think I think they have that Hail Mary to win a game. Yeah, it's yeah. gotta be the Hail Mary. I was like <laughs> if he says the home run this you're lying. Hey, you know, you know, like everybody the the reason is like because everybody practices that Hail Mary play every week. Just like and sometimes it'll never work. You'll never use it. Sometimes sometimes like most of the time it'll never work, but that one time it do work, it's like it's like the best feeling in the world. Unless you're Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and then it always works somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, the, if he had said that he preferred the walk-off home run, that would have been nonsense. Like, a, there's got to be no better feeling in all of sports than nailing a Hail Mary for a win. Like, it, there can't be a better feeling. Well, that's what that's why I wanted to ask him these questions because I'm thinking about it today. I'm going, man, we're talk, thinking about the show, and I'm going, all right, how could I? Because let's be honest, football is a little bit more fun of a game to be a part of than a baseball game. I would say I played baseball. I played football. I think it's just more entertaining. Let's put it at that. So especially if you're a quarterback, right? If you're a quarterback, you're like a badass mofo. You know what I mean? So he's a quarterback. So that's why I wanted to get into that because it, you, uh, some of the questions, obviously he's a baseball guy, so he's got it. But that's that held Mary. I, I, you know, for me, obviously, I would, I would rather run for a touchdown uh, than a diving catch because I was a catcher. But – I don't know. I thought it would be fun to get into it with him. It was it was cool. Yeah, I mean, like when I played football, I played defensive end. So if you're ask, if you're saying I get to run into the end zone with a ball in my hands, like I'll take that <laughs> over virtually anything in the entire world. I think in my high school football but, career, I recovered four or five fumbles, and they're all just me diving on the ball. I'm, well, I'm not a glory boy. I dive on the ball. Don't try and pick it up with your hands. And don't run up the middle of the end zone because you clowns got freaking field goal post right in the middle in the front of the end zone we don't have to worry about that crap in the states well i wasn't quite that bad i wasn't quite that that <laughs> bad of a defensive lineman where like you have to we running to posts but i know that nick's athletic career is awful and that's in this podcast so we're gonna we're gonna move it on uh i just want to quickly touch on the jays and the whole 100 loss mark thing because that's something that seems to be central to the conversation right now which in a sense is silly because, you know, what means more, for instance, you know, Anthony Kay's debut on the weekend, like that means more to the to the franchise and to the future and yada, yada, yada. But if the Blue Jays lose 100 games, which hasn't happened in decades, that's going to be a huge talking point. People are going to talk about like how much of a disaster this season was. And I do think, and it's so arbitrary, but if they could just avoid 100 losses, that would change the conversation a little bit. My question for you, though, is, is this something if you're in the locker room, because I know you've talked about playing spoiler before, for instance, like playing games that don't really mean that much, but it feels good to knock down other people and ruin their chances. Is this a similar situation where like avoiding 100 losses doesn't mean anything, but as a player, it feels good? Yeah, no, of course. You don't ever – I don't think that you – players, honestly, I'll tell you, I don't think we look at the 100 like a number – I, th I think fans and maybe media looks at more as a big number that you have 100 losses. I think you just try to go to the yard every day to, ch 
to mess somebody's hopes up. I mean, that's that's you have to find you almost have to enjoy being the villain. I mean, we've talked to guys and they've said that yeah, you, you want to come to the yard and they want to be a villain and kind of mess that those chances up, but honestly, to me that question it's crazy to me. This is and you could agree or disagree with me. I think if you would have gone through the season, because I don't think the season is in a, 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 a disaster in entirety. I think that everybody knew going into it that, that this was going to be a, a losing season. If you would have told me that Vladdy and Bo didn't have the impact they had, I would say that this was that that would be a huge like a talking point. But Vladdy came up and Vladdy started slower i don't like to say slow because he's he's even in his slow times he was better than the average person and then he's finished off to being like okay this guy's pretty special at 20 years old and then i think bo bichette puts it over the top with people forgetting about the hundred losses and more like okay we have hope again yeah i think that whenever you go into a season you have to have goals that make sense for where your team is at. Whether they lose 100 games or not, to me, that doesn't matter so much. Like you said, what matters is here's what we're building our franchise on. Does does it look good? Does the foundation look good? And you talk about you know Guerrero and Bichette. They both look really good. Biggio has to be a pleasant surprise. Like We talked about Biggio early in the year. I was still a little bit skeptical because he'd only really had one breakout year in the minors. He's shown himself to be a guy for the future that matters. Danny Jansen took huge steps defensively. I know that he hasn't had the offensive season some people like. I personally believe that will come. I think he's going to put the whole package together and be a really good two-way catcher. So there aren't too many people who entering the season you thought, this is someone we need to do well because they're a big part of the future, and then they went on and did not do well. I mean, Ryan Barucki's injury was really unfortunate. So he had a bit of a lost season. You know, Randall Gritchick, you signed his extension. He has a bit of a disappointing season. But in terms of things they needed to happen, most of the things happened. Bichette was good. Vlad was good. Nate Pearson made enormous strides. His season was fantastic, and he's an enormous part of the future. So... Again, it's hard for me to sit here and say the Blue Jays lost 100 games and it was an incredibly successful season. But in a sense, it was because most of the things they needed to happen happened. And even though being competitive in the AL East was never realistic and it was never really part of the plan, I think if you wanted to draw any disappointments out of the season, maybe it will be Gritchick. I think there's bounce back potential there. I'm not don't think it's but why but but why do you think that Gritchuk is is a down year I don't I don't he had 245 last year he's in 230 as OBP but I mean he's he's gonna pass his home runs yeah but it's a different everyone's hitting home runs now like it's a different climate in the context of the climate he's not it's not done as well compared to the rest of the league you know his uh, slugging percentage is down over 60 points like, again, he hasn't had some disaster year, but when you pay him that money, I think you expect a little bit more than he's given them. I think he's just been kind of slightly uh, he's worse gonna, across he's the gonna, board. He's going to have a career high in, in RBIs on a shitty team, so that's that's on its way. Yeah, but he hits um, in the middle of the lineup. He, he, like, that'll happen. 
No, but it, on a team that's – dude, the team is, like, last in a lot of offensive – I mean, in a lot of offensive categories. Sorry to, sorry to tell you, but that's tough to do to drive in runs. I mean, I think I, I think it's tough to say that he's had a, a down year. Obviously, he got paid. He plays good defense. I, I just – But that's the fact that subject. that's the one thing that I point to and it's even debatable yeah, it's, shows yeah, you that most it, of the things are there is what I'm yeah. more trying to say. No, no, and I agree. And I also think – Listen, at the end of the day, I I really do believe, like, Vladdy came up, stole the show, home run derby, all that stuff, phenomenal. Bo Bichette saved the fans coming back. I I believe that. Like, you hear you hear about – I would have never even thought to say that at the beginning of the season, but you hear even me going back into town and doing things, you hear fans going like, yeah, man, I want to go to the game. Dude, this Bo Bichette kid is – now they're trying to say he's better than Vladdy Jr., Oh, right? yeah. So, he's really captured people's imaginations. And he's not only is he good, he's exciting. Like, he, he's even in a sense, maybe even more exciting than he is good. And I'm, I'd say that thinking he's very good. He's very good and he's very, well, very exciting. And that's my point is then, so then that 100 loss season just became much less important to me because of how, they, how it finished off. I mean, that's just to me the biggest thing is, is to go. We all want to live on hope, right? We all, we all, if you're going through tough times, you're like, man, the sun's going to come up tomorrow in the morning and I hope things change. And I hope y- you always have to have something to kind of drive you. I think that this is something that gives fans an opportunity to, to, to go like, oh, crap, all right, there is a little light at the end of the tunnel, as opposed to we just got our asses kicked the entire season and this is going to just be dreadful. No, I, I, I think – so to your question, I think a hundred hundred losses would have been big if it wasn't for the way it, it finished off. Yeah, and then you know, talking this way is gonna make me sound the way I don't really want to sound. But losing a hundred plus games and having the record they had is gonna help them get a really good draft pick to secure a really good prospect, <laughs> and like that is gonna be important to the team too. And I, yeah, I don't want to take, take for the pick, take for the pick. Yeah. I just, I don't want to be the, like, we don't need to walk down that road. I don't really want to be that guy who's super excited about that, but I, it is worth note. It's like you had this a hundred loss season, but all these good things happen from a developmental standpoint and you're able to extract hopefully a blue chip prospect out of that as well. So yeah, total picture. It's hard to be too angry with how things went. So I'm going to end this off with a little, would you rather as usual, this one, I mean, I don't know. Is it a little mathy? Depends how you how you want to quantify things. It's about this is about going to prison and how long you'd be willing to go to prison for X amount of money. So, jeez, would you rather go to prison for one day and get a hundred dollars, one week for a thousand dollars, one month for a hundred thousand dollars? That's a ridiculous jump. I should have. I didn't write this one to be fair. But I, I would have rejigged the numbers there. Or one year and $10 million. Holy smokes. I was uh, Literally, you had me at an easy answer as opposed to you just dropped the $10 million bucks on me. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big one. Gosh, dude. That, I, I, you dropping the $10 million just changed my answer, I think. But I, here's uh, – you know what? I'm going to go with my first answer that I was going to say. And this is going to be probably – not the the consensus answer, but it's me. Listen, 
I'm a baby about certain things, right? Like we all have our we all have our our little things that we like. If this ends in saying I'm a baby about not going to jail, I think that's fair enough. That's not a quirk. I think that's a general. No, 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 no. But I was gonna say I'm a baby about certain things, and one of them is where I freak it. My environment and like if I'm staying in a hotel, I want it to be like a clean hotel, nice hotel, good bed. Like I'm very, very. I'll pay more to stay at a nice hotel even if it's way overpriced than than even just a cheaper hotel in the same area that I don't I just am very particular about putting laying my head down and obviously just being in an environment so I'm a little bit of a softy on that sense I have zero chance of going to jail although that I think that I can survive cuz I could still whoop a little ass I I I want no part of being in a jail so I'm doing one day because I think that for me, I would literally, I think that if it was more than a day, I'd be crying in my, and I don't care to admit it. I'd be crying in a jail cell like a baby because I don't want to be in there. So I've never broken the rules in my life. I'm a freak. I'm I'm a nerd when it comes to that stuff. I mean, not that I'm a nerd. I'd just say I'm a law abiding citizen, but like I would never do anything wrong specifically because I'm so scared of even the opportunity of going to jail. So, uh, one day would be enough for me because I would be a complete wreck if I had to be there longer than a day. Yeah, I, I I understand that. I think that most people will see that answer and they would not choose one day, but I, I respect it. I'd, I would have to go a different direction. Also, I think if I did one day, and this is a silly thing, but if I did one day and got $100 out of it, I'd be like, this is horrible value. I would feel like I could make more than $100 doing a day of my job, which is not in jail. Yeah, but you hear, have you ever heard of the stories of the people in jails just overnight? And they're like, it's the worst thing I've ever been a part of. Like the people that are in there, the crap that they had to deal with. Yeah, for sure. So, so I don't know. One day is out for me. One week at 1000 I think, is the worst option there. That's stupid. Why the hell would you do a week for 1000 I think I would do a month for 100000 I think a year is too much of your life to give up. You're only going to live so many years. Like I think, you know, time is the most valuable resource we all have. And a year in jail is a lot of time. And it, I think I could do a month and then I, like I burn all my vacation days. I use all my sick <laughs> days personally. Like I could go back. It wouldn't like destroy my life. If, you know, if my boss was understanding that I had to do this jail thing, which to be fair, he might not be. But I think you could do a month in a way that would be horrible, but you get back to your life and then you've got a nice nest egg to play with, a down payment on a condo. Uh, you know, I'm not out here saying that I would do super well in jail, but, you know, I have a, I have a good unapproachability to me that I've cultivated over the years. And like, <laughs> I think that I could put that to use. Uh, I wouldn't be, yeah, if someone said, would you go to jail for $100,000 or just not go to jail at all? That would be a serious consideration. But considering all my options involve going to jail, I think that that's the best value. Although, you know, $10 million is awfully tempting. I know that's, I know as soon as you dropped that in there, I was like, damn it. I don't know. Cause I, I for sure, I, like I said, I've already explained, I'm a little baby with that stuff i got i want no part of that but yeah a year so so many bad things can happen to you in jail for a year i feel yeah what happens what happens if you get in a fight and then the sentence is longer because you're protecting yourself like ah 
It's not worth it to me, man. A month. Sorry. Hopefully I can, you know, th- I have so little knowledge here. I'm basing this off movies, but hopefully yeah, I, yeah, can, I can ba- like, uh, it's, I can work it's in the library. Like I'm, you know, I'm pretty good with books and stuff. Like I'll do laundry, <laughs> whatever it takes. Like, I, I don't know. I think a month maybe, but uh, yeah, a year. I know a lot of people would pick that year and I would also respect that choice. I think the only choice here I wouldn't respect is a week because a week for $1,000 makes yeah, absolutely stu- no sense. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, no, quadruple up the weeks. Um, I would respect someone who's going for $10 million, but I just, I, I see I too many. I tip my hat to them. Tip my hat, too many potential downsides from my perspective. But if someone wants out there is listening and they're like, give me a year and 10 million, like, you know, pow- all the power to you. Well, just, or make me six, five, two sixty, And so I can go in there. And if you want to come close to me, I can make sure that you don't even think about anything, but uh, I don't know. There's n- I, gangs, there's numbers. There's I've watched, weapons, I've watched, yeah. I've watched too much locked up and all that stuff. I yeah. love those kind of shows, but man, I got zero interest in ever, ever, ever being in a jail. I will, I will, in my entire life, I will make sure that I follow the law because that is one place I have zero interest to ever go. I mean, not that people are like, yeah, let's yeah. go to jail. This is fun, but I, I just, for me, ain't no chance. All right. So I think that's actually kind of a positive message to end it. For, if there's any kids listening, you know, don't go to jail. Uh, you know, that's a good message. Jail's bad. Don't S- do it. Stay in school. Stay in school. school. In school. Be a law-abiding citizen slash nerd uh using jp's nomenclature and we will see you next week we appreciate all you guys listening subscribing reviewing itunes spotify google play which is what i listen to but no one else in the world apparently does sorry google bring your game up i like it uh hopefully you guys will tune in next week